The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I want to start with something kind of funny. You know, I always do. I always start with something kind of funny. A man walked into his boss's office not long ago, and he said, Boss, I'm going to need a raise, and I'm going to need it fast. He said, I'm doing a great job here, and I'm going to need a raise. He said, there are three companies that are trying to get me right now. And he said, I'm going to need a raise. And so the boss, after much thinking, said, well, you know, I think we can give you a 5% raise. Would that work? He said, oh, that would work wonderful. He said, thank you, sir. And he shook his hand and started to walk out. And the boss said, by the way, what are those three companies that are after you? He said, the water company, the electric company, and the cable company. <laughs> That's how you get a raise. <laughs> and as pastor of this church, I'm not asking for one, but that's a cute story. Thank you, Rudy Montoya, for sharing that with me. I'm, I'm going to speak today on the subject, naming the baby. Naming the baby. And in order to name it, you got to have it. A baby needs to be born and birthed. The book of Luke Chapter 1 says, there was in the days of Herod, I'm going to read it up here today so y'all can follow along with me, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. That word stricken is funny to me, stricken. Like when you get old, you're stricken, like you've been struck. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. They had, they had 24 courses of priests, and they did two-week intervals, so that was 48 weeks of the year. And so somebody had to cover the other four weeks. And so I think that Zacharias was one of those men that would volunteer for extra time. And so he went into the temple for a week to do something more for God because God always blesses the people that do a little extra. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Let's see what happened to him. But the angel said, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you shall have joy and, and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Amen. A little bit more here. Let's read the rest of it. Amen. Read the rest of it. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken. There's that word. They've been struck with years. And the angel answered him, said, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak. He's the word, he's the word angel to thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, you shall be dumb. I'm going to strike you dumb and not be able to speak until the day that those things shall be performed because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Clap your hands for the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
You may be seated, let me preach a little while, then I will be done. The child that had been promised to Zacharias was to be the forerunner. He was to be the way preparer of the Messiah. He was a predecessor who would help and precede the greatest thing that God had ever done on earth. His name would be John the Baptist. He would be instrumental in setting a stage for the Messiah. I believe, folks, I just believe this, not because it is anniversary time, but I believe that God wants to do some great things in the world today. I really believe that. There's an unprecedented spiritual hunger among humanity today, coupled with fear and uncertainty on every site in the geopolitical realm. And the economic structure is being shook, and the stage is set for a mighty, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. Do you believe that? In the last days, he said, I'm going to do that. I believe when we look back, 2017, the year of double blessing, will be a banner year for this church called Christian Life Austin. But I also believe God will follow a pattern because he's a pattern following God. Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth were to be blessed But that blessing was not for the sole benefit, folks, of this barren couple. Hear me. Blessings were not just for their benefit. It was not even primarily to benefit them. The purpose of the blessing that God was going to give those two people, even though they were well past the age of childbearing, was that there would be a way paver who would introduce a Messiah who would save the world. You know the rest of the story. It happened But let me tell you the story. See, there is a blessing that has a purpose. The blessing always has a purpose. God does not bless us to have something to do. It's not like, well, I think I'm going to bless Dale today. I'm going to bless Debbie today because I have nothing better to do. I'm just going to bless him. God doesn't bless us just so we'll be blessed. He lets us partner with him in his calling. So we're able to usher in and be a part of the great work that he wants to do here on this earth. The thing is bigger than any of us, folks. It is bigger than our goals. It's bigger than our agendas. It's bigger than anything we could ever imagine, according to the word of God. This is kingdom business I'm talking about today. But God wants to bless his church because he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say it's his And I will bless you. And God wants to bless his church this year because blessings have purpose. Purpose so that you can be a part of the greater move of God. Let's talk about self-centeredness here just a minute. I'm again it. That's all I got to say. There's nothing to do about self-centeredness. This is not about me. It's not about you. It's always been about him. Can you clap your hands and rejoice with me on that? God gives us things that we don't even deserve. We we don't deserve the things that God gives us. And then on top of the things he just gives us, he blesses us beyond measure. He heaps it up, presses it down, shakes it together and runs it over. There's a powerful thing talking when you talk about the blessings of almighty God in our lives. It's powerful. So purpose, purpose, so that you can be a part of the greater move of God. There was a man in Dallas several years ago, the first church I ever pastored. I didn't even know how to spell pastor then. 
But he walked up to me when we'd grown from 15 people to 30. We had doubled our church. And I just made a statement, folks, we have doubled our church. And he walked up to me. We had 33 people that Sunday morning. And he walked up to me and he said, you know why you said that? Because you want this to be about you. You want to build a name. You want to build a resume so you can go and do great things because you want your name to get out there. I began to weep. It it bothered me. It really bothered me. I was able to help that man a little bit later because he needed a lot of help. People that make comments like that need a lot of help. They really do. It's never been about us. It's never been about a preacher. It's never been about the staff. It's always been about Jesus in this church. And we began, I lost my wife and boy in the year of 1981 in this month of March. And then after that, we began to build a building in Dallas and, and God called us away before that building was complete. And so we left there and we went into general office work and general organizational work. And we, we, we did some things for five years. And then when we went to a church called Ritter, Louisiana, we left there and went to a church in Ritter, Louisiana that was a well-established church and a great church and a wonderful church. And the last week we were there, when we came here, we had 1,100 people in church that day. And it was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful time back in 1990 when Nilly Vanilli was still doing their thing. I didn't know that was coming. But we began and we built a wonderful family life center and a, rec- a recreation center that was the biggest thing in DeRitter while we were there. But we had to leave that to come here because we wanted to come to Austin, Texas. And so since we've been pastor here, we've built two buildings, this one in 1997 and that one next door in 2007. Guess what year it is? 2017. The first one was for the one we didn't get to worship in in Dallas here. The second one was for the one we had to drive away from in DeRitter. And now the third one's going to be for Austin, Texas. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Just thought I'd share that. See, Samson is strong, but he's only strong for the deliverance of Israel, not so he can walk around like this. Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house, not so he can call himself entitled, but so he can be the leader of God's people. Esther is saved in the palace of Shishan, not because she say, I'm the queen of all Shishan, but she was put there in a position to stop the genocide of her people. And I love what God does with people when he puts them in position. Can I stop and say it right now? God has placed this congregation in a position to do what it has never been able to do in its existence. And that's build and go forward and reach a city like we've never reached it before. Come on, clap your hands to that. I read about dreamers in the Bible, four of them to be exact. Jacob was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer, Jeremiah the prophet was a dreamer, and Daniel the prophetic man was a dreamer. They all dreamed particular dreams in the word of God. And all four of them had their dreams shattered. I could go and tell you what they were, but I don't have time. But they had one thing in common. They had one thing in common. After they had dreamed and their dreams were shattered and taken from them, it did not stop them from dreaming again. Every one of them dreamed again. And the second dream came to pass. Hebrews said he takes away the first so he can establish the second. And I believe with all my heart that there's dreamers in this house. And you have had dreams shattered in your life. All I'm asking you to do today with this pastor is to start dreaming again. And believe that God is not through with your dreaming and with your vision sharing. Because God can do anything. 
I read a story about a woman named Martha Berry. It's one of the greatest stories I ever read in my life. I'll be very brief. She lived in Rome, Georgia, and she was a lady that took care of, of poor kids that did not have the money for schooling. And so she would let those kids work out their tuition by painting fences and, and helping her with push mowers to mow the yard and helping her clean the carpets and helping her help the, help, help in the school building. And so they got free tuition because they didn't have the means to have tuition. One day a little boy ran into her and said, Miss Berry, Miss Berry, guess what? Guess what? Said there's a man named Henry Ford that wants to donate. Said he's a donator to people like us and he'll bless us if we'll just ask him. And so she wrote Henry Ford a letter and Henry Ford was cynical now because he'd given some money away and it had been used riotously, it had been used wrongly and he was angry and he was mad. And so he wrote that woman back, dear Martha Berry, here is your donation. And it was one thin dime, one dime, one dime. And it was used. It looked like it had been in somebody's pocket for 30 years. It was a used dime. It was thin. Probably wouldn't even work in a slot, in, 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 a, in a Coke machine or anything. But the bottom line is she took that dime. Hear me now. She took that dime because she had a dream. She took that dime and went and bought a bag of peanuts and planted those peanuts. And the crop came up on those peanuts. And her and those kids sold those peanuts for $1,500. And they sent Mr. Ford a check for $1,500 saying, Mr. Ford, here's the, here's the payback on the 10 cent loan. Thank you for thinking of us. Mr. Mr. Ford got on a train and went to Rome, Georgia to look at that school and look at what was happening. And he saw the kids and he saw the joy and he saw these kids that didn't have anything. And he went to weeping and he left there thinking, you cynical old fool, you. Went back home and wrote a check for $3 million. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. Here's what I want to tell you. For me to be preaching like this on this Sunday morning when God allowed us to come here 27 years ago and we didn't have hardly enough to pay the rent, but I began to dream in Austin, Texas and God has told me to preach this morning that we still can dream. There's a purpose. It don't matter how many times your life has been shattered. You still can dream. God wants to bless us this year, but his blessings have purpose so we, so we can facilitate the greater plan of God in this world. Don't you love Martha Berry now? Isn't she cool now? If I can use an analogy without offending you, God wants to impregnate, impregnate this church with purpose. He wants to deliver into your bosom your destiny. Lots of saved people are lost to purpose. There's a lot of people going to heaven, but they don't have a, a clue what God's doing on this earth. But God has blessing and purpose for each of us. Our responsibility is to give birth to that destiny and purpose that God has put in us. Let me talk quickly about the parameters of pregnancy. I'm not far from finishing. Many people struggle to comprehend this fact. And here's the fact. We are all creatures of dreams. We're all creatures of destinies. And we're all creatures of purpose. An angel appeared to Zacharias, folks. But he doubted. An angel came, but he doubted. I put a big ha there. I just thought I'd say that's funny. An angel appeared and he said, really? So I can see where you might have trouble believing a pastor today because I'm not an angel. For those that do believe, let me tell you just a few things. The first thing I want to tell you is that doubters will never deliver. Doubters never deliver. There will always be people who do not believe that destiny is in their future. 
They do not believe the greatness of what is to come. These people will never deliver. They cannot carry the promise. They cannot give birth to what God has placed in all of us. But Elizabeth was carrying destiny. Hallelujah. And when one carries destiny in themselves as she did, you'll be surrounded by people who may not hear and may not speak the vision or the destiny. But they will call you crazy. They will call you hapless. They will call you clueless. They will call you rainbow chasers. And they will call you a dreamer. Get out of here, dreamer. But Zacharias did not even get it when he was told in the temple and he couldn't speak to anybody else. I'm so glad that the angel said, because you don't believe what I'm saying, I'm going to shut your mouth. And you'll not speak for nine months because I'm not going to bless you and let you talk negative about it. I'm not going to pour something on you and let you down talk God all the rest of these nine months. Somebody needs to open their mouth and say, God can do anything. Come on, God can do anything. He didn't get it when he heard it. So he cannot speak it to anyone. Giving birth to something great in the kingdom of God is usually a lonely proposition. There's no breathing coaches. There's no nurses. There's no doctors. There's just you and the dream and the vision and the destiny God has put inside you. It's up to you to carry it and to birth it. Everything I've ever attempted in God was that way. Because God gives babies to barren people. The Bible's full of stories of barren women receiving children from God. Every father of the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all were asked to marry barren women, and they did. But Psalms 113 said, He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. God always calls us to do that which will take a miracle to accomplish. If it wasn't a miracle, we don't need God. But we need God. What we're trying to accomplish, folks, will take a miracle. God wants to place in you dreams and visions and greatness and purpose. But know this. You have to give birth to it all by yourself. See, everyone who sees beautiful babies wants to hold them. Perhaps wants to adopt them. But most want God to drop fully birthed destinies. That are walking that are talking, that are singing, that are shouting, and purposes in our lap. But that's not how God works. He blesses the barren woman with the ability to have a baby, but it's not a fully birthed baby. If you've got a ministry, start building your ministry. If you've got a business, start building your business. If you've got children, start building your kids to make be Christians that you want them to be. God will give you the ability, but it's up to each person to give birth to your own destiny. I close today. Boy, I'm going to preach this. I'm, I'm going to a, a minister's conference on Tuesday. And I'm going to preach the fire out of this. Y'all just get in the cleft note version. But you got to name the baby. You got to name it. Everybody say, name the baby. The visit from Gabriel was great. The arrival of the child was even more instructive. The big day arrives and the baby is born and friends and family are gathered around. And two things happen that are simply fascinating. The first is simply this. They named the baby. Everybody say, they named. They Not the people that had it, but they named. Now Elizabeth, full term, came 
that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass on the eighth day at the time of circumcision of the child, they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Hear me well today. I'm not far from finishing. You who would give birth to your destiny after you're through all the pain of carrying the child and the loneliness and the agony and being misshapen and discomfited and stretched and broken, when you finally bring your destiny to the light of day, everyone will come around and try to tell you what your destiny is. Pastor, I just don't see us doing some things that you're talking about. You had been wrestling at night with it. I'm not going to let some people name my destiny. God's spoken to some of you and you've let cousins and kinfolks talk you out of things that you knew God was wanting to do in your life. Come on, I'm preaching right now. You've let, you've let, you've let people talk you out of it. What's more, they named him Zacharias after his dad. That was a family name passed down from generation to generation. His father was Zacharias. His grandfather was Zacharias. You could trace the lineage of Zacharias all the way through the house. It may not have been the first name, but it was a name. They were in essence saying this baby is no different than the dozens that have come before. Nothing has changed. It's the same old lineage, the same old priesthood, the same family, and nothing is any different. Let's just call him Zacharias the eighth. Z8, because nothing has or ever will change. He will be no better or no worse than his father. Wrong. Wrong. The Bible said the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. And the latter rain shall come down like the former rain. And God will bring the former and the latter together to have one great revival. There is something about to happen in this earth that's greater than anything that we have ever seen or heard in our life. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm begging you, where'd that come from? Jesus. So I'm begging you, don't believe the lesson of history. Don't believe it. Elizabeth said, I don't think so. Verse 59, they said, let's call him Zachariah. She said, I don't think so. Verse 60, she said, and his mother answered and said, not so. He shall be called John. John. He's not just another baby. He's not just another blessing. This is a way preparer. And I'd like to say this is not just another church. This is not just another 1990. God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
This baby, this building that will usher in God's purpose, this baby is essential to a larger working of God. It will not be just another baby. It cannot be a continuation of what has always been. The kingdom of God is set to explode around this face of the earth and God needs a church to give birth to a way paver. I preach the first week of the year. I see a 10,000 soul revival. And God has wanted us to prepare for a 10,000 soul revival. Dream with me. Get outside the box. Give birth to it. Give birth to it. Give birth to it. The naysayers are saying... And they said to her, there's none of your kindred that is called by that name. Yeah, I know. The average person is not comfortable with people talking about dreams and visions and destinies and change and greatness. Since they're not comfortable with it, the easiest way to do is to tear down the person that's trying to make change. What do you mean, John? You're going to get out of debt this year? You're going to win people to God this year? What do you mean by John? You're going to have a ministry? You're going to finish college? You're going to get you a great job? You're going into your own business? What do you mean by John? You're going to become a prayer warrior? What do you mean? There will always be somebody around to tell you you shouldn't name the baby what your destiny can and cannot be. There will always be a crowd around to tell you that it's not, it should not and cannot be that way. Why can't he be John? Why can't we enlarge the tent? Why can't we lengthen the cords? Why can't we strengthen the stakes? Why can't what God has placed in me be something of greatness? The fact that I'm standing here in my right mind is nothing short of a miracle. Why should the miracle stop now? Why should we get settled on our lees and say, no more? Don't you dare let someone else limit God's purpose in your life. Don't you dare let someone else dictate your destiny. You carry it. You stretched. You were broken in the process of birthing it. Don't let anyone else tell you what it should be. I never read where Elizabeth had another child. Never. Elizabeth, why don't you wait and name the next one John? But she remembered her years of being barren. And sometimes the window of opportunity is narrow. I don't know how much time we have to fulfill the purpose of God, but it's not much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you guys and I love Austin. And I love what God has done here. Every indicator leads me to believe that we better move expeditiously in building the kingdom. So let's determine here and now it will not be another Zacharias. The same thing it's always been this time, this year, it's different. Zacharias put his pen to his paper and he said his name is John and he got his voice back. The hardest part about change is declaring that change is here. It's time to stop wishing and it's time to start declaring.